1: Continue with the theme we started last week on karma, and this one is greater insights on everyday karmic risks. Last week, we dealt with some rather big personalities, a big, big sweeping karma. This time, we're going to deal with, uh, you know, individualized risks that
2: people take. And take risks we do. Life is filled with such things because of our choices. Everything we do has a consequence energetically. We see the material level of that, the exchange of goods and services in the workplace and giving friendship to others, giving love to others, receiving it, accepting it, sharing it. All of those things have a karmic element to them, meaning the law of cause and effect projects that energy forward in some way. And this is how the universe is designed from the ground up. And it makes everything go round. The good things you do come back as blessings and rewards. The bad things you do come back as object lessons, some kind of reckoning and a comeuppance oftentimes or a painful experience that rebalances the the pain we have caused others, perhaps, maybe just through ignorance and neglect. So we're, we're we're getting into this issue because people need to have this perspective. It will really help your life to think along these lines. Yes. And then you'll look before you leap, maybe a little more carefully. <laughs> Indeed. You asked creator, is the golden rule,
1: do unto others as you would have them do unto you, a good rule of thumb for avoiding everyday negative karmic entanglements and maximizing positive ones?
2: All right, is the golden rule a good rule of thumb? And Creator says, this is Creator's words as I channeled them, this indeed is a healthy and divine approach to living. We would also recommend people learn and explore the 10 divine principles for living we have given you in the past in response to questions about how best to live one's life to minimize problems and maximize getting the most out of your life. People confuse the purpose of life in thinking of it as a material quest for fame and fortune or at least accumulation of material possessions and a source of money to be secure for one's old age. We see nothing wrong with any of these pursuits in and of themselves. The art of living is looking at the overall balance to understand the consequences of how one spends one's time and what are the consequences of the choices being made and the actions taken. The energy you put into the world will have a karmic consequence. That is a given. Energy flows somewhere and will come back around eventually and return to the sender something as a kind of echo. If that energy is from a harmful act, there will be something more akin to an explosion where there will be a compounding of the negativity from all the secondary and tertiary consequences of being harmful to someone or something. And that will likely compound in spreading to others, all of which will have your name on it and will come back as a painful lesson of some kind an obligation, a responsibility to fix something, repay something, or atone in some way through suffering for what you may have done. Good things will come back as blessings and opportunities and good fortune. So following the golden rule sets you up nicely to not make a misstep and incur a karmic penalty, but only do things that keep your life, your actions, and what you do and contribute to others on a positive plane. And by causing benefit and not harm, you will only be improving things for both others and yourself. To the extent you depart from this goal, you run the risk of a karmic consequence that may end up being quite painful. There are many acts of neglect simply through indifference and insensitivity to the plight of others that will incur a very severe karmic penalty down the line. So you will pay a high price for tuning out what might be going on around you. Thinking it is not your concern and you do not want to be bothered or burdened in any way to take on someone else's struggle. But the reality is you are a member of a human family. All are your brothers and sisters and you do have a responsibility to help them if that opportunity falls on you because of circumstance. If you do not answer the call, the law of karma will recognize this and will assign you a kind of liability energetically commensurate with what you deny to offer by way of assistance. So keep this in mind as you go forward to look for ways to be a helper, to be encouraging and to uplift others. The more you cooperate, encourage, support and nurture, the more in divine alignment you will be and the greater will be the karmic good and the lesser will be karmic obligation and painful lessons that may have to be endured.
1: So we get affirmation here that the golden rule really is gold. But on top of that, creator mentioned the ten principles for divine living, which you can actually download yourself with our ebook at getwisdomcom 10-T-E-N. That's getwisdomcom
2: 10-T-E-N. Yes, it's it's a wonderful treatise on the art of living. It it really covers a gamut of choices that people make all the time without thinking. And the, the wisdom aspect is the divine perspective and to have that in mind, at least to have it in mind. And it can be so very helpful because most things are not that huge that are expected of us, mostly to be decent and to be kind and a little bit of sharing and compassion for others. Those things aren't so hard for most people. It gets harder as you get older and get cynical and and so on.
1: You ask, Creator, according to the Bible, Christ said, I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in her or his heart. And that's Matthew 5.28. Can Creator share if and how we can actually create karmic entanglements with our unacted upon thoughts? Are such thoughts a kind of micro-curse we're employing to do employing and do they add up over time? How much do we need to worry about thought plane hygiene? Okay,
2: so we're talking about this aggregate of thoughts. Thoughts are things, they're an energy you give birth to. They hang around and they accumulate on what we term the, the, the thought plane. It is a repository of your human consciousness. It's an actual physical reality. This is what Creator says about dealing with things that we put into our thought plate. This is an important question you are asking because what you are describing is the top of a slippery slope that gets many, many people into trouble and not appreciating the mechanism for starting a downward slide and the importance of heading this off at the very beginning to whatever extent one can. It is always easier to prevent something than to to fix it when things go wrong and damage has already been done. That is often the difference here between having a bad thought and acting on a bad thought and transferring the consequences beyond your thoughts alone into the real world of action and energetic consequence. The harm in the thought of lust is that it puts you in the role, if only within your mind, of the adulterer, of a transgressor. Someone who will overstep a moral boundary and be willing to cause harm to that person desired, as well as the loved ones of that person who may feel stricken by any display of disloyalty or betrayal. That might be true for the person in the example here, if they have vows of marriage and yet become enamored of someone outside the marriage and are drawn to them through an attraction. It is true they have not transgressed in an overt physical manner. The danger is to themselves. It is putting them one step closer to making a moral breach of conduct, and that can set in motion future consequences by creating a kind of inner momentum. It is much like giving encouragement for wrongdoing to oneself. That can be a dangerous thing. There are parts of the mind that are more like the animal part than the spiritual part. And these are highly connected to the instinctive behaviors, including sexual desire, lustful thoughts and conduct that are driven through the chemistry hormonally and can be very strongly an influence at times in some more than others. One of the problems with good hygiene of the thought plane is that repeated thoughts that are unhealthy because they involve a misstep of some kind will build up. Because thoughts are a creation of the mind energetically, and that energy persists. They become a thought form that will hover in the thought plane. And what this does is begin to create an ongoing influence of greater and greater intensity. If those thoughts are indulged in again and again, it is like having an inner cheering section to commit an act of wrongdoing and is the last thing a person needs who wants to be in divine alignment and live according to moral principles. The largest and most powerful source of human negativity are the thoughts people launch that are turned against the self in some way. Most of the time, this is self-criticism and self-hatred, but thoughts that indulge in fantasies that are a kind of wrongdoing, even if they involve pleasurable topics and imagery, they represent the crossing of a line, And that is the creation of a certain kind of mixed energy that becomes part of the person's energetic signature as it builds up within the thought plane. This may be discernible to others and may, in fact, get a person into trouble. Someone harboring thoughts of infidelity may well have this sensed by an intuitive partner. And this can begin a growing friction between the partners and strain the relationship. This is yet another way such thoughts can be harmful even without taking action. Such thoughts as well can be exploited by others. If someone with similar inclination intuits the energetic signature of a member of the opposite sex, they may be encouraged from within themselves by their own deep subconscious to flirt with the other individual. Because of an inner knowing, they are a good candidate for fulfilling a fantasy. And this pushes things one step further towards having a potentially life-altering event come about, a change, life-changing transgression. By the same token, being approached by someone who sees that inner inclination in the thought plane intuitively will stir up those thoughts in the person, and this creates a kind of increasing chemistry that can push the person in that direction to commit a transgression in actuality and add to their vulnerability and the likelihood of making a misstep that will generate significant negative karma. So the bottom line here is that such thoughts of committing a misdeed of any kind are inherently a liability that may begin to take on a life of their own. Much like lighting a match in a place filled with flammable materials, the chance of a conflagration goes up.
1: Oh, this is sobering information for people to realize that you really have to, you know, just like you got to keep your bathroom clean,
2: you got to keep your mind clean. (laughs) Now, it's it's a (laughs) a very graphic way of describing it. I was thinking of the analogy of having one foot on a banana peel. You know, you well, there's that too. Yes, <laughs> you, you might you might be okay, but you might slip. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, it could be painful when you land.
1: You know, and it really, it's it's this whole notion of of keeping you know that we need to keep it clean isn't for creator's benefit; it's for ours. You know, God's not sitting up there in judgment. You know, smacking us down because we have dirty thoughts. The That's thing right. is, the thoughts have consequences. Intended or not, they have consequences. They, they, they impinge on the rest of the world, and they can spark actions that can get you into trouble. That's really what this is all about.
2: Yes, it, it truly is. And everything about life is a kind of investment in the future. Every step along the way, you're creating a future, whether you think about it that way or not. So if you're putting love into a marriage, you're putting happiness and joy into a marriage, you're putting kindness, nurturing, protectiveness, caring, sympathy, compassion. If you're putting all that into your partner, they're going to respond. It's just chemistry. And inevitably, you'll get something good back from doing that. And that's that's going to keep them looking to you for joy and love.
1: You ask, Creator, we know acting on a temptation can create karma. Does the fact of even being tempted to begin with suggest karmic issues that need deep healing?
2: All right, and Creator tells us this may very well be the case. It is an insightful question, for it speaks to human nature and how it comes to be and what those aspects of human nature truly represent. In the example you started with here of thoughts of infidelity, the obvious thing to consider in why this is happening is whether the person has a satisfactory partnership within the marriage or what is felt to be a permanent arrangement. There is a common misunderstanding in this regard with the many who propose open marriages, polyamory, and so on as lifestyles. We can tell you that is unnatural. In terms of commitment to a stable partnership, honoring vows of fidelity in particular, when temptation becomes strong, that is a clear indication that something has been missing in the marriage all along that has left a void. And it is likely what the person sees in their new flirtation is something they think will fill that void that has been present and seen as a deficit and there is a yearning to fill that in. If people are not close and not sharing a true intimacy, They will be unsatisfied, and there is no substitute for that. If this is pinned on the looks of the partner or some other characteristic or attribute that seems to be a deal breaker or that last straw the person can no longer put up with, this may create a rash decision to separate when the problem is really more one of a lack of closeness. It is the sharing of intimacy people seek first and foremost, And that goes a long way to fueling sexual desire in compatible couples. But in its absence, everything can break down and people will end up disliking one another quite intensely and lead to a breakup. The willingness to be intimate and the denial of intimacy as a kind of payback through resentment or intended as a willful punishment for a perceived slight becomes very destructive. And here, too, when there has been an estrangement, this leaves a vacuum. And then people may see greener fields over the fence and want to stray. But it is the intimacy they crave, more so than the accoutrements of someone new who looks good on the surface and becomes a source of temptation. Finding a way to heal the intimacy gap is the surest path to resuming closeness and acceptance of the other party and helping a marriage thrive without mistakes that can create an insurmountable breach of trust because they are felt to be unforgivable.
1: Well, we're both married, Carl, and we both know that marriage is a lot of work, but this is a very, very cogent advice from Creator, for sure.
2: Well, and you can see how this plays out in the many scenarios you've witnessed, if only on TV, with <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> relationship uh, sagas, you know the the romance uh, stories and the the many ways that couples break up, and often through misunderstanding and in their yeah. own kind of unawareness, a kind of an an ignorance about the possibilities. So many missed opportunities to put love into work and love into a relationship. It has power. It has transformative power. People respond to love. They lap it up. They love love. If you can give that, you're a gem and you will be treasured by your partner.
1: The key word that you just gave there was the word give. So many people are out there looking for their perfect partner and not so much concentrating on being the perfect partner.
2: That is a difference, a key difference for sure. Life is about sculpting who you are. And you learn a lot about who you are and change and transform yourself in reaction to others. So this is an opportunity. It's not a burden. It's an opportunity to become great at relationships, great as a lover. Yes, Absolutely And Creator is there
1: to, to assist us every step of the way And you can get assistance with our prayer book Please download it at getwisdom.com slash prayer And also check out the Lightworker Healing Protocol Something that also can be used to help heal relationships, by the way And you can get that with getwisdom.com LHP Getwisdom.com LHP And check out our healing services at getwisdom.com uh, You can find out more by visiting the site And we'll be right back with more Get Wisdom Right after this Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to the second segment of Get Wisdom. We are talking about creator insights on everyday karmic risks, and uh, there's no shortage of them.
2: Well there are a lot of things we do every day that are missteps, errors, poor choices or less than desirable in some way compared to what's possible. We often fall short and it's often because we're not aiming high enough and but mostly we're sort of oblivious. We just kind of plod along and we don't strive so much to accomplish bigger and better goals as a a main part of things, other than, you know, doing the the motions, you know, making a living and so on. But we can work at life a bit. It won't hurt us. It will uplift us and, and strengthen us. So we're, we're, we're going to talk about ways that karma kind of gets parsed out with levels of responsibility here. And it's rather interesting how the it divine is. sees this. It is. And uh, there's
1: some insights here. I think it will be new to people. Something to really think about. You asked creator, what are the karmic ramifications for a casino mogul who builds a gambling empire versus a child who inherits such an empire versus the owner of a small diner who adds a corner video gambling machine to supplement the diner's meager profit margin?
2: Okay, so here we go. Three levels of culpability, seemingly, about the issue of people being dragged down through perhaps aiding and abetting a gambling habit. Okay, so here's what Creator says. You're expecting that the big shot with the money and the means who creates the empire is the creator of evils, and the inheriting offspring simply falling in line through a preconditioned environment to accept their father's unsavory vision is less culpable because they did not create the evil in the first place but merely at it handed to them and in a way are conditioned to believe in it and accept it because it's always been a part of their life. And the owner of the diner, the least culpable because their involvement with a gambling enterprise is only a small portion of their business operation. And so could not be a major liability karmically because it is not their full time enterprise. But we can tell you that in terms of the law of karma, all three may have a serious liability. In a sense, people who make a moral misstep have blinders. That is the flaw. That is the fault they are displayed. The extent of what happens is secondary to having the flaw. So it is a serious matter in each and every instance. Small transgressions are not safe to ignore and assumed to be of minor or no real significance. In a sense, anyone who decides to do something immoral is stepping away from God, and that will have a consequence independent of whether it only hurts them in the moment or hurts others or hurts many because it is a big misstep with many parts and goes on for a long period of time. The aggregate consequences do play in. We are just wanting to shake things up a bit. And not create the impression that because one is only making a small gain from an evil enterprise, that they have less to be concerned with than someone who depends on it more fully as the entire source of their income. And then try to make a moral distinction from there about becoming habituated through family involvement versus having a vision of an evil empire to begin with. And then creating it from scratch, being a greater transgression. In one sense, this is true. But the inheritor of the business is still choosing to behave like the father who created it and is taking on the same karmic burden from the consequences of the enterprise and will have a responsibility for all the harm that results. The fact they grew up in that household and simply never had anything to compare it to and contrast that with a way of life of Another choice does not protect them from the karmic responsibility for their actions in causing harm to others. Ignorance is no excuse. Insensitivity and unawareness are no excuse. You are responsible for everything you are a part of energetically. And by the same token, the owner of a diner who only has a small stake in the gambling industry by having a money making machine, patrons can play and spend money on, there is still a karmic obligation because they are aiding and abetting an act of wrongdoing in their patrons. Because when people indulge in games of chance, they are hurting themselves and their loved ones as well, secondarily, by creating a slippery slope that may draw the person into habits they cannot overcome. And in any event, are being taken advantage of each and every time because they are being lured into something that by virtue of the odds takes advantage of them over the long haul. No one born would choose at the outset to become a criminal if they were fully informed about the benefits and liabilities. So we are merely saying it is not much better when given the choice to make the decision to become a petty criminal rather than a felon. While differing in magnitude of transgressions and the karmic consequences likely to ensue, we are saying, because both are non-divine, both are poor choices and need to be worked against to resist ending up in such a lifestyle.
1: That was a lot to take in there. <laughs> You know, it, it, most people would never think that, you know, relatively small transgressions actually are a big problem, but they are a big problem for us personally. They, they were being told here that they add up and they have our
2: name on them. Yes, and this this is something we never think about for the most part. And it's very easy to sort of, you know, just sort of let it go, let it slide. You know, everybody's doing it or someone else is doing something far, far worse, and so your small part in it probably is insignificant and so on. And one of the things that is rather eye-opening is how the law of karma is relentless, and it sees everything. It sees it, it weighs it, and it portions out consequences accordingly. Unfailingly, you cannot escape the law of karma. So yeah. this is partly why it's easy to believe that there's a judgmental God, because, you know, what goes around comes around unerringly, not perfectly from our perspective, but eventually it, it does. Yes.
1: Yeah, I've, I've had conversations with people talking about karma and trying to impress upon them that karma is a law and it works dispassionately and it works precisely. And the only way out is either repay the balance or get divine grace you know, yes. but that's a different topic. Apart from karma, you know, karma is 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 mechanistic. It's automated and it's dispassionate.
2: Yes, yes, and and relentless, as I said.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. You ask Creator, can Creator share the divine perspective on the statement? Everybody does it. Does following the crowd ever confer karmic leniency in any way? How much of any consideration does Creator give to this when considering mitigating
2: grace? All right and Creator tells us, this holds little value as a mitigating factor. If anything, it is a symptom of lack of maturity, lack of inner development, and a weak character that one is simply following the leader and surrendering their own moral qualms and favoring being accepted by the fellow transgressors. What is happening is they're essentially making a selfish choice to look good and to not go against the crowd. So they continue to fit in in service to their ego and their sense of security or even superiority in knowing they will become a valuable member of the clan, so to speak, by picking up the cause wholeheartedly and doing their part, even in the commission of a crime. It is when people are closed off from their higher faculties, meaning their divine connection to higher self and beyond, that they will be insensitive to others and only looking out for themselves. And it is under such circumstances when the acceptance of their peers outweighs their own moral values to refrain from wrongdoing. And when this happens, it is a symptom of a deeper problem, one of disconnection from one's own divinity. And that is the only way someone will see improper conduct as an appropriate choice for themselves to engage in, because they will see with some sensitivity for a potential victim that it will harm them, too if only making them feel bad that they have had a hand in causing distress to someone. And any possibility of greater acceptance by those seeking their participation will not outweigh that liability in their mind. And in fact, it may cause them to rethink things about the value of those companions and their potential negative influence. So again, the operative word here is having greater wisdom. With respect to where one stands in terms of being in line alignment or not. Well, this
1: is why we call this project Get Wisdom, Carl. Uh, it really is about figuring out this stuff.
2: Well, and, and I was reading those words. I was thinking about little scenes from movies where people had a moral choice. And maybe somebody was watching and they had to weigh that in too, you know, can I get away with this or oops and so sees do. Now what do I do? And and all of those things. And it's amazing how easily people rationalize misconduct. Oh yeah. And they never think about the fact that God knows you're doing it or not doing it. And so does the law of karma. Yes. And there there are your biggest Sources of assistance or potential difficulty and complexity in how your life goes. Because you need the divine in your life. You need divine grace whenever you can get it. And you need yep. to be right with the law of karma. Yes, if you, want a, if you want an easy life, a relatively easy life,
1: smooth life. You know, one that's free of the pitfalls and the, and the big blowups for sure. You ask creator, a couple watches the Super Bowl. He is a football fan. She watches for the commercials. Both, in their own way, are supporting the football franchise with their participation. What are the karmic ramifications for both? And how might those ramifications play out in the form of a future karmic
2: penalty? Okay, the well, people are probably scratching their heads. What are they talking about? What's wrong with football? What's wrong with watching the zero Bowl? You know, football is the center of the universe, it's my reason for living. <laughs> It's my favorite social activity and, you know, get together with my buddies. It is with a lot of people, actually, yeah. Yeah, well, the problem is we've been conditioned by some unsavory characters, and we're going to get into that. Warts and all, right now, this is a lot to take in, but reality is reality, and we have to live up to our responsibility when we know things and don't share them. That's a karmic misstep because we're not sharing wisdom that might be helpful for people. This is what Creator says about this, watching football. This couple, we would say they are equal in culpability as being in alignment with an unfortunate enterprise that causes much harm at all levels of society. To the participants as well as the fans. And it is precisely because of the karmic obligations it creates. As with any kind of wrongdoing that causes harm, any witness who does not take some kind of action has a karmic liability from their inaction. And again, the fact they do not see a problem, the husband or the wife, but only a seemingly harmless sport. And some interesting high-level demonstrations of artistic and advertising ledger domain as a form of amusement to perhaps spend a pleasant evening together as husband and wife, despite somewhat separate interests, all seems benign and not a source of potential problems for anyone. Those states of ignorance are not a mitigating factor. They are simply the reasons why the two of them are blind to the travesty being played out on their TV screens. But they are not an excuse for participating as consumers of the product that exploits its membership and causes many kinds of harm to human culture in justifying the brutalization of human beings for the purpose of providing an entertainment that generates huge revenue. Many football players at all ages suffer permanent injuries that are a lifelong liability. Bad knees, bad hips, bad backs, and so forth are just the beginning The most insidious and devastating are often the karmic liabilities from having injuries that compound a karmic predisposition to have a source of negativity befall a person. And those bad hips turn into a severe rheumatoid arthritis or some other chronic condition that worsens things. The most insidious and horrific of consequences result from the consequences of brain injury through concussions leading to early dementia and truncates the life with a very dismal downward spiral as the end stage. That is too high a price to pay for a sporting endeavor to demonstrate and be paid handsomely for athletic excellence. Those players are being exploited, and this is no less true of the fans who watch the games with excitement to soak it all in and have a vicarious thrill in seeing their team win a game and their favorite players doing what they do best. The reason football has preeminent as a national passion is that this is orchestrated to happen by the Extraterrestrial Alliance. They have promoted football all through its history because it is destructive to the players and creates a planned session of savagery that is taken part in freely and carried out with exuberance by the players who are whipped into a frenzy by the coaches urging them to fight. So it is much like a gladiator contest. Not immediately about life and death, but over the long term, it is exactly what is at stake. And the karmic consequences ensue accordingly for all who aid and abet the enterprise with their participation, actively or passively.
1: You know, I, I have to say, Carl, um, this, this one is actually personal because I've actually been a lifelong football fan and uh, have enjoyed the sport immensely. But as I've learned about the consequences and learned about you know how it impacts the players, not just through Get Wisdom, but you can go Google you know what ha- happens to players in the aftermath of their football careers and how devastating and difficult their lives are. Um, it's it's taken some of the passion away, which is probably which is a good thing actually. You know, um, yeah. I have enjoyed it for years, but it's it's one of those things that you know. You, you you see how insidious this is underneath and, and how it's really a poison pill. It's sugar-coated, very much sugar-coated, but there's, there's trouble inside.
2: Well, this is something I always wondered about during life, you know, and the rationale many times about the athletic programs and the sports and so on. Well, it's good preparation to toughen up the boys to, into becoming men, and it's good preparation for them to be good military officers and members of the armed forces. And isn't that a wonderful thing? You know, God, that's apple right. pie and mom and all of that. And, and that is all very sinister, unfortunately, and it's a ruse and it's a corruption. So that's just the way it is, folks. Indeed. We need to learn about these things.
1: Well, you can learn more at getwisdom.com. We have our database of divine wisdom. You can become a participant member and you can get full access to that database. And there are thousands of questions that have been asked and answered. Check it out yourself at getwisdom.com. We'll be right back, right for this. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
0: Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back for the final segment. We are looking into creators' insights on everyday karmic risks. And we just had an interesting discussion about football, but we're gonna we're gonna explore. More of this, not the football, but of this karmic risk thing uh, in this segment. And there's more interesting stuff coming up.
2: Indeed, this is uh, the story of our lives, really. We're living karma in everything that we do. The present is a product of the past and will create the future. And everything has consequences. And it's a matter of energy. That's what it is. It's all translated into an energy that has our name on it. It goes on record, and it comes back around to us. So we need to be careful in our choices, what we do, what we don't do, what we're a part of, what we sign on to. And it will get noticed and recorded for all of time. That's the way the universe is set up. It's on record. Indeed. It's on file. Indeed. And
1: and it's got a point and a purpose to it. You know, it's it's there to assist us to grow and become wise and become More divine, essentially. Exactly. We're not here marking time. We're not here marking time. It's
2: there to teach us. Yes. And, of course, it forces the lesson on us, which is the part that's unpleasant (laughs) sometimes. But it has a a well-intended reason for being. It's sort of like the the law enforcement arm of the divine, in a sense, to make it automatic and therefore very even-handed but there's no escaping it and the sooner you learn about that and work within those guidelines, you'll do fine. You asked creator,
1: a cashier works for a large drugstore chain. The person during a normal shift rings up alcohol, cigarettes, lottery tickets, junk food, etc. How much responsibility for supporting addictions and unhealthy behaviors does this person accrue karmically by simply
2: being a low-level cog in the wheel of a large corporation? All right, and this is what Creator says about this. This is extremely difficult to quantitate because it becomes an exercise in hair splitting. It is certainly the case that a clerk that handles many kinds of goods, some of which have a destructive potential, is not intending to be a willing participant in the destruction of others and simply see it as their choice, their decision to indulge in use of those products or not. And it is not their doing but in actuality, they are a link in the chain that makes it possible for the person to harm themselves. And so they are a contributing factor in aiding and abetting their destruction, although to a minor degree compared to the manufacturers of such products to keep them in existence, to market and promote them and create the supply chain to spread the scourge as widely as possible and so on. So the clerk in a store who may sell cigarettes occasionally will have less karmic culpability than the members of the corporate body creating the products and the sales force and the advertisers who promote its use. But still, they are not free and clear because they are participating along the way at the point of distribution. And it is through their contribution and that of many others that the enterprise continues. Without a delivery to the customer, the enterprise would fail and people would not have the means to harm themselves no matter what their inclinations might be. So in one sense, from one perspective, it is a small cog in a large machine to be a sales clerk in the chain of events. But every cog in the machine becomes at some point an essential one. And the choice to participate is taking on that role. And if everyone were to say no, that would illustrate their power is quite real in determining what might happen or not. Ultimately, what happens is that their participation goes on record. So instead of the case being I'm not going to take that job because I don't want to be a conveyor of harmful substances and someone else does it. At least the karmic consequences will go to that someone else. By saying, if I don't do it, someone else will, and stepping into that role, they are taking on the karma directly. So it becomes a choice. The karma has their name on it and will be visiting them in the future.
1: You know, my own personal take on a lot of this is that You know, we are attempting to, you know, become wiser and to really understand the rules of the road here. But I don't think it's helpful either, though, to be, you know, paranoid and terrified that you're going to accumulate negative karma every time you turn around. Um, There might be some truth to that, but, you know, the negative karma is also offset by other factors as well, and there's divine grace at hand, there's healing at hand, there's a lot, it's a, it's a, there's a big picture we're painting here, but the last thing we want is for people to be paranoid.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we don't mean to exaggerate this unduly, but you have to learn about how things work and learn about the nuances to understand it, and then you can have the wisdom to choose what you do and don't do accordingly it will be better in the end to be more sensitive to these matters. It's not so hard, truly. We all make compromises. And these days, it's very hard to not be a part of something that has a downside. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the nature life. of the world. And, and and that is that is the human condition. That is the human dilemma. And yes. we're here to learn about that. And inevitably, we get dirty. You know, it's sort of like wrestling with a pig. You're not going to end up pristine at the end of the day. And the the wisdom that comes from having done that is the point of going through this. So it's it's a given that we're going to get roughed up. We're going to have mud on our face or on our coattails somewhere, and we'll have to reckon with that. But that'll be a minor aspect in terms of the gains we get. But the the key is to learn along the way and do the best you can. And that will always and, uh, help you. Absolutely. And understand that this
1: can be healed. We can yes. we can take steps with light working protocol, with daily prayer, that can heal a lot of this stuff in the background so that it doesn't build up and become a burden for you in
2: future. Yes, and we're going to get to that. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> U.S. creator, gangsters in the 1920s were notorious for rubbing up their enemies during the week and then tithing significant sums of the Catholic Church on Sunday. To an onlooker, this seems like the highest of follies. Was it? What is the divine perspective on this kind of overt hypocrisy?
2: Didn't this behavior have some mitigating value? All right, and this is what Creator says. We understand many people expect a large no response here. But we can tell you that karma is dispassionate. What will happen, though, is that the actions they take and the reasons behind them will factor in how the karma parses the events in question and assigns responsibility or benefit accordingly. So what we would say is the donating of funds to a charitable organization will count as a positive karmic contribution because that in a sense is a separate act in and of itself. However, the expectation they hold that this will be a mitigating factor in their karmic misdeeds causing deaths of others and other acts of criminality will not stand. They will not be off the hook simply because they have been a nice person one day a week. They will get some benefit from being that nice person. Even though it might be done in a cynical fashion, they are still carrying it out. And in that respect, they are fulfilling the role they seek to be a part of. And even though done with a mixed motive, it still counts. So in the sense that not being... Wanting to cause harm, but being involved in harmful events incurs a karmic penalty, wanting to do good for personal gain to some extent, if it still does good, will accrue a karmic benefit to the individual. It might not be of the same quality and total impact as one done with a clear conscience and through a strong heartfelt desire to be compassionate and giving and beyond that. If done on the part of someone who is making a personal sacrifice to maybe give away something of great value because it will help others, and they incur a self-sacrifice in the doing, that will have a greater karmic benefit for them in the future. So we are simply saying that karma will sort all this out, and it will lie as a benefit somewhere on the potential spectrum of good deeds. But they will not gain what they cynically seek in getting a pass from Creator to overlook their misdeeds. They will have a full karmic consequences of every act of wrongdoing to answer for in their future. I think this channeling was extremely revealing. You know, it
1: shows us, um, you know, a lot of how detailed this all works out. Um, you know, the the thought that occurred to me was that uh, creator saying here at the end that, you know, the deed, what well, your intent and your circumstances make a big difference. You know, if you're a poor person and you give $20, that $20 is very dear. Whereas if you're a rich person and get $20, it, it's not so much. And that's, that's, that's going to factor in.
2: Yes. Well, everything is energy. And it's about the quantity and quality of that energy. So that's a good example $20 yep. to a large income individual is a trivial contribution, and to someone who is eking out a day-to-day existence, it's a huge sum and a huge sacrifice and a large gifting yes, when donated. It will, be, it will be noticed by that which notices everything. <laughs> Indeed.
1: U.S. creator, how can prayer work and the Lightworker Healing Protocol help us to avoid everyday karmic entanglements?
2: All right. And this is this is key. This is important. Creator says, if prayer is done in a way to request upliftment of the self, this will help to foster development of inner wisdom. If one prays for guidance and for healing and protection, there will be multiple benefits, enabling them to live their life in a better and more effective fashion. If they do not become ill, if they do not give in to temptation because they're seeking ways to be a contributor and not an exploiter, their opportunities to benefit others as well as themselves will be accruing positive karma all along the way, and they will be the beneficiary. So, when the outreach to the divine for a good purpose will bring them into divine alignment. The ideal approach, in fact, is to cultivate a partnership with the divine. So, one is actively seeking involvement on an intimate level to invite the Almighty to be a part of one's day, to be there experiencing alongside and helping alongside with support, guidance, healing and protection. You simply cannot do better than this to have the ultimate source of knowledge and wisdom as your companion and inspiration. To use the Lightworker Healing Protocol with specific explicit requests for divine assistance for all manner of difficulty sources of negativity and corruption, gives you the greatest possible power as a person to improve yourself and to improve the lives of others. It is those in ignorance who are the losers by not understanding the world deeply. When people are awakened to the larger truth, the world is under siege. Humans are being targeted by interlopers to undermine them and bring their destruction. It is possible to mount a counterforce for good And enlist divine help in many, many ways to right the wrongs of history, as well as those in the current moment and the future. The sum total of which will be a transformation, uplifting the perpetrators to enable a disengagement and ultimately saving humanity by allowing the freedom from oppression to begin healing in earnest and real progress on the magnificent future planned for the divine human. You cannot do karmic repair except bit by bit in attempting to piece together what might be owed and doing acts of loving kindness as a way to preempt a karmic backlash in your future. The Lieberker Healing Protocol sees to this automatically because it turns to the divine realm to implement the solutions. It is a catalog of negative origins of the many travesties that have happened. And we'll continue in today's world until healing is far enough along to change things in a significant way. As always, achieving your greatness, your true potential rests with your ability to partner with the divine. It is creator's plan. If you are not doing it, you are off track. It is that simple. But the answer is that simple as well. To move back to the original plan and cultivate that divine partnership for yourself. It will pay many, many dividends, and you will be helping many, many others in saving the future of humanity. Well,
1: I've learned that ignorance is not bliss. And you can uh, solve your problem of ignorance yourself by checking us out at GetWisdom.com. Get the Lightworker Healing Protocol eBook. You can download it at GetWisdom.com slash LHP, and consider becoming a participant member of Get Wisdom. It's eternally free. There's no financial obligation. We would appreciate your support financially, of course, but you can partake of volumes of content on getwisdom.com to help you really understand everything that's happening.
2: Indeed, and it is a blessing to be a part of this. It's my passion, and it's important, and we're doing it for you and for all of us. Absolutely.
1: We're out of time, Carl.
2: Thanks for everybody. We'll see you next week.